Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a critically acclaimed pastry chef who has made a name for herself in the culinary world for her innovative and creative dessert creations inspired by her Dominican roots. She is a James Beard Award semifinalist, social justice advocate, and praised as one of the best pastry chefs in America. It's Paolo Velez. Paolo, welcome to the podcast. I wanted to start off with an interesting fact that I just found out about you. Before you went to culinary school, is it true you received a scholarship to become an opera singer? Yes, but I had a bunch of anxiety and I figured I should watch Ratatouille and Julie and Julia instead. And I decided that I should go to culinary school. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, how often do you still sing or perform these days? Only for karaoke. <laughs> All right. That's that's a good enough reason. What's your go to karaoke song? I actually don't know how to pick the right songs ever. And like what I know how to sing are like slower ballads. Uh, and that's not fun for karaoke. <laughs> that's a, not as popular in a, a crowded karaoke bar, right? <laughs> for sure. But I, I would say that I have the most fun singing Britney Spears Toxic. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. No, that's a perfect karaoke song. Safe to say you, you made the right decision, though. Are you you're happy with your, your life choices so far? I think so far, so good. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the good news is you can always you can always fall back on singing it, I guess. But it doesn't sound like you really need to because you have had some staggering accomplishments over the past couple of years. I'm just going to kind of rattle off some of these accolades. All right. A James Beard Award nominee for Rising Star Chef in 2020. Food and Wine named you one of the best new chefs the next year. Timeouts 
People of the Year, Cherry Bombs, Person of the Year, and InStyle Magazine's Women Making the World a Better Place, and then named a Food Network hotlister for 2023. Woo! That is a lot. Congratulations on all of your accomplishments. What is your default reaction when you get news like that? It's usually, oh, no, I'm going to be more busy. (laughs) (laughs) The anxiety starts to kick in, right? (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Well, speaking of which, one of your quotes from Bustle said, my biggest fear is becoming a supernova and burning bright for a short period of time and then just disappearing. I I appreciate the vulnerability there, but I believe a, a lot of people who find success do have similar beliefs. What do you think is the key to fighting off those feelings and believing, you know, that the work you do will last? Well, for me, honestly, it is really important for me not to absorb the hype. Right. So Mm -hmm. like it's really fun and really cool that everybody every so often seems to like throw awards at me. Right. (laughs) And I'm grateful. Right. I think my life, my career wouldn't have been the same without even just the first, you know, article that was ever written about me in like the local city paper here in Washington, D.C. But what I, I try to keep doing is just like reminding myself that I am just a person, just a human who has a lot of fun making all of these treats and desserts and interacting with the guests. You know, my main like happiness is making people happy. So I hopefully don't focus too much on shining too bright. And then mm-hmm. hopefully I put all of that energy into my dishes. And then people kind of like just remember me for that. Yeah. But I mean, that's I, I do feel like that that is easier said than done, right? Like, you know, you say you don't want to absorb too much of it. How do you physically not absorb, you know, some of that? Like, how do you kind of keep everything in perspective? Well, I try to stay honest, right? Mm -hmm. I try to like show myself in all of its weirdness and quirky online, on TV and in person. So I I don't fake the funk too much, right? Mm -hmm. And then honestly, I just have a lot of fun. Like I think half of my personality is just being super goofy to the point where people are like, I really don't understand how we're supposed to take you seriously. But I'm (laughs) like, great, focus on that. Like, don't take me too seriously. Have fun with me. And (laughs) things just get a lot easier when people trust me and people want to have fun with my food and they just enjoy watching me be silly. Yeah. I mean, what 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 do you enjoy so much about what you do? Like, why is it so much fun for you? Well, before I used to be kind of like a leader of just the restaurant that I was in. Right. Only affecting the four walls and maybe like the pass and the line, right? But all of a sudden, once I transitioned into this new facet of like the culinary industry in this career, I'm able to talk to so many other human beings who think like me, who are going through the same journey as me and who need that encouragement. So like I... I kind of just like expanded my reach in a non-cringy sort of way, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it is really important, right? Like these podcasts and like the shows, like show people that there are people like them and that they're not alone and singular in this universe, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like, I mean, your work as an activist is literally baked into your career as a pastry chef. For those who aren't aware, can you kind of share the story about how Bakers Against Racism began? Yeah, for sure. So Bakers Against Racism is an organization that was funded almost like a lighthouse organization to point people to organizations who are nonprofits that are doing the work in their own communities. You know, it's sometimes like people have a heart for giving, but they're kind of jaded and kind of like, I don't know who to trust or where my money is going to go. Or is this actually going to make any change in the community that I want to affect, you know? Mm -hmm. And we just use our platform to help and partner, you know, with people to show them what needs are in the community, you know, and we fundraise for black lives and we fundraise for women's rights and we fundraised for the Ukraine, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and there's so much more that we, we do. And because it is a global effort, now folks can take that same banner, that same mission. And, you know, there are folks in Australia and Mumbai and Paris and Berlin who are doing the same thing. And they are looking at the needs of their community, finding the nonprofits that are doing the work and then helping them fundraise, which is probably the hardest thing that nonprofits have to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an incredible initiative. You know, it started in 2020. I think, you know, at a time where a lot of people were feeling lost and and feeling like they wanted to do something, but didn't know what, you know, you, you talk about like how, how much this has grown over the last few years, but I mean, it started off like relatively, you know, with small and smaller ambitions, I guess. I mean, you initially were just going to make, you know, I don't know, like 150, you know, dessert pieces and maybe ask some other people to do the same. At what point did you kind of realize that this was going to be something bigger than what you initially set off to do? Immediately. It was like lightning in a bottle. It was so (laughs) scary. I was like, I'm not sure what I just did. But luckily, you know, because it was a pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. and my husband and I, when we were like, figuring out how to put the messaging across, we, I also tried to remove myself because if I got sick, and all of a sudden, I was no longer here on Earth, I still wanted this mission to go far. You know, mm-hmm. and rather, I, I did think that it was just going to be like the local D.C. chefs community coming together, as we always do, to to fundraise and to help our communities. But once I started getting emails from all these global locations, I was like, help, I'm in danger. <laughs> 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 but it was really it was really like heartwarming to like understand that folks especially in the culinary industry had just lost their jobs their livelihood you know folks that might have been in three michelin star restaurants were just regular people all of a sudden and even through that hospitality shown through right like they were like where do we sign up I was trying to figure it out how to help. And now I have a a reason, a cause, you know, a banner to champion. And I'm, I'm, I was flabbergasted. Like, (laughs) I was like, there's no way that I'm talking to these like world renowned chefs right now, you know, and then also talking to like moms in like the suburb, you know, the reach that, that it, it was so diverse. It was so insane to me to like, just understand the scope of how many hearts this movement touched. 
I mean, it's incredible. It is unofficially the world's largest bake sale, raising $2.5 million for social justice causes worldwide. I mean, obviously, this has already grown and evolved so many times over the last couple of years. Where do you see it going in the future? Well, right now, I'm actually just trying to learn the world of nonprofits and C3 and also kind of like figuring out how to make sure that I don't mess up, you know, this wonderful responsibility that people have given me, which is their trust, you know? So I'm learning and I'm open about that. I, I want to make sure that when we launch our first ever in-person bake sale with everyone that wants to participate, that people like know exactly what we're doing, how we're doing it, you know, and that takes time. Even as recent as this weekend, we're doing something for kids who need our help, who are in terrible situations, you know, and it it's so wonderful because now people don't need me to champion a, a cause. They bake. And they they fundraise. And, you know, it's not just bakers. It's, you know, print like makers against racism. And we have also like bartenders and pit masters and so on and so on. Like folks are like, I want to do this and I'm just going to utilize my little craft, you know, like whatever I can make, whatever I can do, I want to do that for the community and I want to grow. And it really connects people. And and really gives them that third space mm-hmm. that we have really kind of like seen disappear in our, you know, you, you and I probably broke, grow, like grew up going to the park and mm-hmm. knowing that our friends were all going to be at the park. That's our third space. So now how do we build that? Yeah. And the restaurant industry is building that for people. Everybody knows at this date, we're going to all come together, pick up our baked goods. Chefs are going to come together and deliver their baked goods. And it's so cute. It's like amazing. You know, it is. No, it's a movement that you've created. And it's so incredible to see, you know, how much it has grown. Because I, I remember that back in, in 2020, you know, like I, a local bakery had reached out to ask if I wanted to help promote. And, and that's kind of where I dove in and found out, out about it. And I just thought that that was like such an incredible thing that you did. And the response, like you said, has been you know, blown people away. I can imagine that you've had dozens, hundreds, thousands of stories from people across the world kind of joining in on this giant, you know, ongoing virtual bake sale that you've created. Is there like a specific or particular story that that stands out, like somebody that's reached out to you from, you know, across the world? Yeah, I'm not going to name names, okay. but there's this particular baker and if they listen to this podcast they're gonna know (laughs) in Australia you know and they were the first person to like actually launch Bakers Against Racism in Australia Mm. for indigenous lives you know and they got a lot of you know let's call it heat for that right Mm -hmm. and a lot of folks were like I'm disappointed in you you've made this political baked goods shouldn't be political and i think baked goods can be whatever we want them to be you know yeah but this person called me and i i stayed up super late to like catch her on the phone and we spoke and she was really nervous because she's like am i gonna lose my business am i gonna lose my career and i told 
her. I was like, if you don't want to do this, that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. your heart is there. Your intention is there. But I understand it's a pandemic and it's super hard for all of us to figure out where our next paycheck is going to come from. Right. Mm -hmm. And as we spoke, you know, she gained confidence and she was like, I'm going to still do it regardless, you know. And when she launched again, she spoke about it openly and amassed quadruple the amount of followers, quadruple the amount of business. People showed up from all parts and supported her business because they were like, we we want to support you. And it takes courage to stand up for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And that story was like, okay, this is this is serious. This is the real deal. People want to stand up for something, want to believe in something. And I, I am grateful, you know, that people want to take risks for others' lives. You know, mm-hmm. the, the whole premise about this is not to make it like uber political and like, just like talk. Cause I'm, I'm from DC. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just normal down there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's, it's really it, when you break everything down, you're you're just loving your neighbor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that we need that so desperately in our world where I could just look at you and I could help you and know that I might not get anything in return. And that's OK, because mm-hmm. I'm just being a good human, a helpful human. I think that that is something that, you know, is somewhat missing some of the time in this society. And I think, yeah, I think just being a good human is is the most important thing for you to to, you know, hear these stories and help inspire others to do the same. You know, what what is that feeling like for you? Well, I'm always kind of in awe, right? I grew up in the Bronx, right? In yeah. inner city schools and a lot of times folks would tell us like we wouldn't amount to much more than what we would see in our neighborhood. Right. And I kind of trusted food to guide me, you know, and I hid behind food. Right. But now it's like I was still able to grow and and do all of the things while still being nice and quirky and and silly (laughs) and and, you (laughs) and me right and I kind of like now talk to folks and folks just feel empowered right I was um at Philly Chef's Conference this weekend and this young lady started talking during my panel with Gail Simmons and we were I was just talking about like my mental health issues and my journey and why I do the things that I do. And she's kind of like, she was like, I'm sorry, this isn't a question, but I just want you to know that we're all looking at you because we've never seen this type of representation. We've never seen ourselves personified. And not only that, but somebody who's winning awards and still doing like helpful things for the community. And I'm not going to lie. I was crying on the panel and then everybody was crying in the room and we were all a mess. But it was just like a reality check because I sometimes forget, you know, like you're you're chasing the, the, the next trend or you're trying to figure out the algorithm or you're just trying <laughs> to make your call time, you know, yeah. and you forget that there's going to be a, a kid in the Bronx that's going to turn on even just the Food Network and they're going to be like, oh my God, that's me. And I can be that too. And that's crazy to me. 
Oh, it's it's powerful. I mean, rep- representation is so important. And you're definitely, you know, representing for for the Bronx. And speaking of which, I saw on Instagram, you have a cookbook in development, which is going to yeah. be called Life is a Bodega, a baking book with love from the Bronx. How will this book kind of encompass your Dominican heritage and your experience as a first generation American? Well, everything that I kind of do is kind of like always tiptoeing around that fact because I'm still learning how to be American. You know, (laughs) my mom came here like with maybe two months or three months of like figuring out what America is. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I showed up and I was (laughs) like, well, surprise, surprise, you know, (laughs) So, (laughs) so we were both learning how to be American together. And, you know, you can figure that out through a bunch of stuff. Maybe it's pop culture, maybe it's music. But for me, it was food, Mm. you know, and I study Americana desserts. And then I just kind of transform them into like Latinish, you know, Uh and like, I, I love how much history is housed in food, you know, and I continually learn and grow from studying the past, you know, and I want this to be that for the next generations or folks who are literally just first generation Americans who are like, what does it mean to have my own dessert? And I'm like, well, now you have one, you know, (laughs) but it's really fun. And and I think that I just want to show up for people. I want them to, whether it's just a book that they're going to have on display on their coffee table or something that they're going to use as like their baking Bible. And I just want them to know that anything is possible through food. Mm-hmm. What What are some of the hallmarks of Dominican food that you love that you kind of, I guess, meld into these Americana desserts and, and kind of make them your own creations? For sure. So a lot of it comes down to what type of fruits we grow in our backyard, Mm -hmm. a lot of our warming spices, and then just kind of like techniques, right? And there are a few of the recipes that I leave as is. Like, I'm just like, this is very Dominican and I want to introduce (laughs) it to you. Like which ones? So like leche cortada, which Mm. means kind of like cut milk, right? Uh And it's a beautiful recipe that takes lime and fresh milk. Well, not fresh milk because we're in America. So pasteurized milk. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're on the farm, then it's going to be a bomb dessert. (laughs) You know, and you take that and and it's like, at first, when you look at it, if you ever had this in like a restaurant setting or whatever, you look at it and you're like, I'm not too sure about this. I'm scared, you know, (laughs) but you're just like, I'm like trying to convey to the reader, like, trust me, just make this and try this. And it's like, just the most delicious lemon, like, well, not lemony, because we call it limon, but limey. <laughs> is that a word? Anyways. Make, I, I've used it as a word. So let's just say that it is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like the, all of the, the beautiful citrus and all of that beautiful, like sweet just umami from the milk come together with warming spices and it's a little sweet it's a little sour it's a little creamy and it just like melts in your mouth and you're just like why why Mm. is this happening to me this is like (laughs) flavor overload and like you you never think of like milk and lemon together because usually that's how you make like yogurt and stuff right buttermilk yeah (laughs) right and you're just like but 
I don't know what it is about this dessert. Maybe it's just we needed it to preserve stuff back back in the day, but it just comes together and it's a flavor mm. party in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, it sounds delicious. It sounds like my kind of dessert as well. What about the plantain sticky buns? Are those going to be making an appearance in the book? Oh, absolutely. And some variations, which I'll keep a secret for now. But it was so amazing. When I got Food and Wine Best New Chef, Guy Fieri actually came to like try the plantain sticky buns. And the crazy thing about that story is my mom loves watching diners, dive-ins, and drives. Uh She loves that show. She's like, oh my God, Paola, it's amazing. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And she, she was like, we were watching this one episode where Guy Fieri was eating like this ginormous sticky bun. Mm. My mom was like, I, Paola, I love Guy Fieri. <laughs> and, and I love, I love sticky bun. And she was like, make me, make me sticky buns or something like that. Right. Uh-huh. And I got to tinkering and I got to thinking. And all of a sudden I was like, why am I just going to make her sticky buns if I can make her sticky buns with her favorite filling, which is plantains with brown sugar and warming spices. Mm. And she bakes them in the oven and it's like, she's in heaven. She's like, <laughs> oh my God, you know? And all of a sudden I went back to the restaurant at that time. It was Kith and Kin. And I started working on it, developing it. And then finally I went and I did like, you know, like product testing with the whole staff. So I lined everybody up and everybody was like, oh my God, Chef P. Oh <laughs> my God. You know, and by then people weren't using sweet plantains and desserts because they were kind of intimidated by this very savory item. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, we eat sweet plantain as dessert all the time. So we need to like introduce this to the public. Right. And I started launching them as as a secret on the menu. And it was like this underground, like cult following. People would come and line up at the bar and they're like, I'm just here for the sticky buns. Oh my and gosh. I'm like, you guys need to order like a drink or something, please. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> you know, and then ha- going from that to then going to, you know, Aspen and then Guy Fieri proclaiming this is the best sticky bun I've ever had. I was like, oh. what is life and what is happening? <laughs> what is and life? also, why are you so nice to me? <laughs> you know, and it was just like full circle. And he sent a video to my mom, you know, just telling her, you know, you did a good job raising me and that he's super proud of Aww. her and me. And I was in the back like, oh, my God. But I was like, please don't cry for a guy for me. But I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, right, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, as soon as he said that, everyone like bum rushed the the tent that I was in. And like within 15 minutes, I was sold out. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. I mean, what was what was your mom's reaction when she saw the video? She was like, I, Guy Fieri, I love you. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> I'm like, mom, mom, no, this is a video. She's like, ah, okay. <laughs> and then she went about her day. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I love that. That is such a great story. I'm excited that it's in the cookbook. And, and like you said, some variations that people haven't seen yet. For anyone that has not been to a New York City bodega, what do you mean by the title of the book that life is a bodega? I think so for me, bodegas are like the cornerstone of life. Mm -hmm. You know, every single neighborhood in New York City has their local bodega. And for me, my bodega shop owners, they knew me. They Mm -hmm. knew my mom. They knew exactly what my schedule was. They knew exactly if we had hard times, 
you know, and they would make sure that I always had my after school snacks, my morning breakfast, Aww. you know, they made sure that they if they saw me walking around and I wasn't feeling too good, they would walk me home. And like, that's community, mm-hmm. you know, and in every you know, area, culture, there is something adjacent to a bodega, whether it's in the Dominican Republic, which is called a colmado, Mm -hmm. or just your neighborhood deli. So even, you know, in the Dominican Republic, we have colmados. And then even if you're not in New York or in the Dominican Republic, you have like your local deli. And like, we develop a routine with this corner store, you know, Mm -hmm. and we kind of like find comfort and life and sometimes they have everything that we need if we're in a pinch you know but if not they have all of our favorite snacks and they have (laughs) all of our favorite foods and i think that people need that reminder that our community is based on the corner stores and the the mom and pops that are there that we need to support and we need to love and we need to remember Mm. So this book is going to be a, a paper version of, of all of those things that you just described. Absolutely. <laughs> Coming up next, Paula explains why she refers to herself as the millennial auntie and later gives us a sneak peek into her appearance on the new series, What Am I Eating? with Zoe Deschanel coming to Max this May. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, you often refer to yourself as a millennial chef auntie. How do you see millennial and Gen Z chefs in this industry kind of doing things differently from previous generations? I think, honestly... 
first the lovely folks at TikTok, the, <laughs> not the not headquarters, but just the the regular just commenters and yeah. followers. They were like, "Our millennial chef auntie," because I was asking <laughs> questions. I was like, "How do I TikTok?" <laughs> I've been on this app for like three years, and I don't understand anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And like this beautiful Gen Z soul was like oh, you need to treat it like this and do this. And like immediately after I followed the advice, I went viral and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they were like, oh, millennial chef auntie. And I was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) You know, and like in my best, like Drew Barrymore, like, oh, thanks. You know, like, (laughs) but I really think that as like, I would call it like a middle-aged millennial you know, you kind of have like the divide, like you kind of reach across both mm-hmm. the Gen Z and like what's new and like they've never known a life without Internet and like social just media. Access. Yeah. Right. But kind of like teaching them like the lessons, like this is what I learned. I don't want you to have to learn these hard lessons. So this is what I want you to take away from me mm-hmm. and what we can do together as a community or as a, you know, just the the industry, you know. And they're listening because they're, they literally always get their information from the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So when they connect one-on-one and I'm like, okay, so you're about to graduate college and I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't need to have everything figured out. And they're <laughs> like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I graduated savory, you know, from culinary school. And then I got awards for pastry. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like life is complicated and weird. So let it life, you know? Yeah, let it life. I mean, speaking of which, how do you think social media has really impacted your industry? Oh, I think that it's 100% so important for restaurants now more than ever to really understand how to communicate with the audience Mm -hmm. and how to like show what you're offering to people. We've always kind of eaten with our eyes. You know, we we love magazines about food. We love shows about food. Mm -hmm. But now folks want to know what they're getting themselves into before they step into the restaurant, myself included. I might go to TikTok and Google your restaurant and see the (laughs) reviews and see how people are being treated or how the food comes out, you know, Mm -hmm. and that might make like my informed decision, you know. So for me personally, I use it as like a portfolio, you know, and I just post it every time that I had a zany idea. I would just post it on the internet and people are like, well, la-di-da, you have reinvented the wheel yet again. And I'm like, (laughs) no, but I'm grateful that I'm exposing you to this, you know? And they, you know, folks started looking towards like this, these platforms, you know, and they, they want to feel comfort in the food, you know, whether it's something that they relate to or whether it's something that they want to be exposed to, they want to learn about, they want to grow, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think social media is a wonderful platform to just inform people of who you are and your food and what makes your culture special. Yeah. Give that, you know, that point of view and and what makes you special as well and and why people should care, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, something about baking that's always, I guess, for me, a little daunting is that there is so much, you know, chemistry and precision behind it. So when when you're trying to like experiment with new ideas, how much do you get to like really play around with things and how much do you have to stick to kind of, I don't know, I guess the science, the chemistry to make sure things all, you know, puff up the right way and that kind of thing. 
So as I mentioned before, I started off as a savory chef. Yeah. So like my basic knowledge of pastry was like, you know, will this bake or will this fry, you know? So like in that, I was like, there has to be a way that people can bake as they cook because the the fact of the matter is that recipes are only a thing now because we started writing down stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but I I can imagine that somebody, you know, in the fifties was just sprinkling flour into a bowl, putting a little sugar and then adding some, you know, zhuzh it up, you know, and all of a sudden they were like, well, now this is, I don't know. This like layer cake, you know, yeah. and folks need to like, kind of like almost like dispel the idea that baking is a science, an absolute science. And it's more of like an implied science. Okay. So I learned my ratios. I learned like without these ratios, this won't be a cookie. But also if I really try hard enough and sell it, this is a cookie. If I want to call it a cookie. I mean, I'm looking at you, whoopie pies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people need to learn their ratios. Like I call it like the golden ratios of like what makes bread, bread, what makes cookies, cookies, cake, cake, you know? And then once you have those parameters, you can sub out anything. You could sub out the fat. You can sub out the, the, even how to make like the same texture of eggs. You could sub out sugars. You could sub out flowers even, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as you just know how things react. What are some flavor combinations that you're loving right now? Some of the really fun flavor combinations is like figuring out how to like get like mastic gum into everything. Okay. I think that that minty fresh flavor is like beyond unique and like pairing it with like super sour tropical fruits Mm. is giving me life right now. (laughs) But other than that, I think it's like a little less flavor and a little more like just like Figuring out how to like sub out stuff, you know, like I make this wonderful tamarind pecan pie where I I use tamarind instead of like corn syrup, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is like figuring out how to like sub out these things that are like already kind of like mass produced and like corn syrup is corn syrup, but then what in nature can make corn syrup, you know? Mm -hmm. How how often, like how much do you have to kind of play around with a recipe like that until you kind of get the right combo? If between you and me, I'm kind of a psycho and I do like one and done. It's kind of crazy. Really? Yeah. That's like awesome. My, like everybody that I work with or like folks like, I'll just be like, oh, cool. Yes. These are the ratios for this. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just like released my ultimate nerd, you know, but, <laughs> but it's like. You know, like I just I study all of these like ratios and all these things. So Mm -hmm. like it's almost like common knowledge. Right. So if I sprinkle a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I know that I'm going to get around this, you know, like product. My favorite is like when I get surprised. I don't want to call it ambush, you know, like demos, but like I'll just be hanging out with like friends. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want to give you a tour of like the kitchen, the demo kitchen. And all of a sudden there's cameras set up and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is a trick. <laughs> right. But that's like where like it shines the most. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly what to make for this. Or I'm in this region of, of like the US. So mm-hmm. I want to make this, you know, and folks are like, but you don't have a recipe. And I'm like, well, I know, but 
it's it's a little fun this way, isn't it? <laughs> it's an adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you'll be also sharing a lot of your food knowledge on a new series premiering this May on Max called What Am I Eating with Zoe Deschanel. Your episode, as I understand it, fo- focuses on grains. So what are some common misconceptions when it comes to like grains and gluten? I think a lot of people just don't understand how it's grown and harvested and the amount of effort that it takes to even just make like bleached flour, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that there are so many wonderful American like companies and farms that are really doing the work, you know, to make us healthy and make us strong and make us have tasty treats, you Mm -hmm. know, and use like a scythe on the show to like cut grains is scary what is that so it's like you know how like the grim reaper yeah oh my gosh yeah (laughs) i was like i'm like i am the cutest agent of you know (laughs) (laughs) baking baking baking. (laughs) but i was like but you know don't mess with me no just kidding (laughs) but just in case i'm i'm prepared and i'm armed (laughs) for sure and i mean like it's just like really it's beautiful you know you go you know to the farm and like you see everything you know Mm -hmm. and like you you don't look at this product and see flour you know you just see like plants Mm -hmm. you know and all of a sudden the process that it takes to mill it to grind it up to process it in in a way that can be distributed to the masses it's such a wonderful just exciting feeling plus i met a industry celeb on the show i'm gonna wait until you guys see the episode okay. but i was fangirling so <laughs> so much i was like oh my god it's really you i only thought you were on the package i thought you were just a logo <laughs> I've, but that was a good so tease fun. now i'm like thinking about logos <laughs> It's uh, really fun. Really uh, fun. You guys have to tune in. <laughs> that No, that's super exciting. What was it like working with Zoe on this project? Oh, wonderful. You know, just the, the passion and fervor for our food ways. You know, we need this now more than ever. You know, after the pandemic, things changed so much for our farmers and our businesses and how food gets to consumers. Mm-hmm. And I think what Zoe is doing is going to change the next 10 years. Yeah. I I remember meeting her at the James Beard Awards a few years ago, and and she was talking about it back then, you know, so I think it's great to see that she's, you know, continued to kind of, you know, follow up on that and and make it a priority, not just for her, but for, for other people as well. What do you hope people take away from the episode or the series in general? From the series in general, I really hope people kind of put some respect on our food ways, you know, like Mm -hmm. really like this is hard work and hard stuff, you know, to get the best product into our bodies and into our systems. And we really should know what we're eating. Yeah. No, I think it's important that a lot of people don't know that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we're we're looking forward to seeing the series. And it's been such a delight chatting with you and just getting to know more about your journey. But I'm going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Dessert you can make with your eyes closed. Any cake. Any cake. All right. Any. What's your favorite kind of cake? Oh, my favorite has to be chiffon. Okay. Favorite cookbook. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Uh, <laughs> favorite food city? It actually is Charleston. 
Oh, South really? Carolina. Yeah, okay. that, that that is a, a town yes. that is flavorful. <laughs> it is on the list for sure. What are you manifesting right now? What am I manifesting right now? Well, I'm launching a pop-up series called Doki Doki because my mom can't say okie (laughs) dokie. And it's just like, I want people to feel not stressed out when they have to go out to dinner or like this is a burden. I want them to have that same infectious positivity that my mom gives Mm -hmm. to the world and make sure that people know that everything's going to be Doki Doki. I love that. Doki Doki. That's so cute. Best advice you've ever received. You don't have to be perfect. Just make sure you're consistently good enough. Hmm. That's good advice. I like that. One kitchen tool you cannot live without. Oh, I I won't say tweezers because all of my <laughs> chef friends are going to make fun of me. But <laughs> I think making sure you have a really great set of zesters, hmm. you know, one for citrus, one for your cheeses, one for, you know, just making sure you have like that arsenal of tools Mm -hmm. because you can you can shave chocolate with it you can zest your garlic with it it is literally my favorite thing and the more that you invest in it the better your food is going to taste i don't know why and how often should you replace them i feel like i saw something recently that kind of shocked me because i have more than one Mm -hmm. for one for each purpose which is like really why would I do that? But I also <laughs> recipe test so much. Sure. But I think every year you, yeah. you test it out, right? You grab a paper towel and you run it across the surface. If the paper towel doesn't snag, it's time for a new one. Okay. That's good. That's a good little test. I like that. And then show you are currently binge watching. Can I say The Walking Dead? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm like obsessed. I'm like already now in the fear of the walking dead. and I'm, I'm hearing up all it. the new stuff. Oh man, I'm ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> like I am <laughs> hardcore. Like I wasn't a fan because I just never got into it because I was always working. And all of a sudden now I have like pockets of free time where I do self care mm-hmm. and I'm a hundred percent a walking dead fanatic. Okay. Well, I know where I'm going if, if the world, you know, becomes consumed by zombies i'm i'm coming oh here. yeah i got your back we're going to like <laughs> you know what you're gonna you, you gotta bring going the, <laughs> you gotta bring the grim reaper i know oh my god <laughs> see now it's it's all full circle it's I'm all prepared. coming together <laughs> all <laughs> if, right if not we can zest some of the zombies there you instead. go there you go <laughs> all right final question is not rapid fire you can take as long as you want on this and the question is what would be on the menu for your perfect food day so we want you to take us through the progression of your day breakfast lunch dinner dessert you can travel time travel spend as much money as you want anybody can cook these meals we just want to hear your ideas ideal meal for each of those so it's not actually food based but it's like people based okay so i i have to work a lot Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't get to see all of your favorite friends but i think i would start my breakfast off in austin texas Mm -hmm. where i could see my longtime friends from even before i was like a chef and my mentor is Chef Tavelle, Bristol Joseph. Then I would hop over to Orlando and I would bring my mom and, and everybody and like my mother-in-law. And we would have just like a typical Puerto Rican meal at one of the 
wonderful restaurants that are popping up everywhere in Orlando right now. And we would just have, you know, a fun time, a little laughing, Mm -hmm. a little bit of eating, but not too much because now I have to go to New York and I'm going to go see my friend Christine Lau and everybody, my manager. And I just, we're just going to go and have, you know, karaoke and (laughs) K barbecue. And then we're just going to have like a nightcap at my favorite bar, actually, Double Chicken Please. Mm. And I'm, you know, that's would be my perfect trip. I mean, that sounds like a lovely trip with a lot of people that are very important to you and are, I'm sure, responsible in some small way for for where you are now. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing and thank you for taking the time to chat with us and, and share your story and continued success in the months thank and you. years ahead. <laughs> thank you so much, Jamie. It was awesome. You can catch Paola on What Am I Eating with Zoe Deschanel streaming May 23rd on Max. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.